Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Chai with the Pre-Med Guys with your hosts, myself, Vali, and my dear friend, Saeed. In our efforts to bring you everything Chai, and more importantly, everything pre-med, today we'll be starting our Chai time with a man of many talents, Brent Shaw, also known as at The Real Student Mentor on Instagram. Now, Brent graduated from UCSB with a degree in biochem in 2017. He spent the last couple of years as the director of a stem cell institute where he looks for alternatives to surgery in treating musculoskeletal conditions. And as if that wasn't enough, he also mentors and coaches many pre-med, high school kids, and just students in general, giving them the tools to carve their path to success. Now, this is an especially surreal experience for me because I've been following Brent's motivational posts on Instagram for about a year now. So thank you for joining us, Brent. And that being said, why don't you introduce yourself a bit to our audience and let them know what you stand for? Yeah, well, thank you guys so much um, for having me. And thank you for that wonderful introduction. I'm a man of many talents, just like you said. <laughs> um, but no, guys, um, the reason why I do what I do and I love mentoring, and that's really my passion, um, is because I'm, I was like a lot of you guys out there. I didn't become the director of research of a stem cell therapy clinic, now seven-time stem cell publication. The list goes on and on and on, whatever. I didn't get there overnight. I started out as a lost pre-med student, as we'll, we'll kind of get into my story a little bit later. Um, but the honest truth is I didn't have anything on my resume until basically my senior year of college. Um, I was a camp counselor, and that was it. I was kind of naive, and I thought, oh, you know what? I'm going to get to medical school. Everything just turns out the way they're supposed to, right? You know, I just have to be patient. But in reality, I was scared to be informed because I was scared. Really, the information was going to tell me I couldn't achieve my dream of being a doctor, doing whatever I wanted to do. Um, so that's why I love mentoring so much is because everyone starts from square one. It's what you do with the resources at your available. It's creating your own luck. It's reaching out of your comfort zone um, to, to become that doctor that you want to be one day. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, Brent, you are a man of many talents that there's no denying that, but I, the Brent Shaw that I know is the real student mentor. So I just wanted to get a little more into who you were before you started the real student mentor, how you came to make the real student mentor and how you're basically processing yourself right now. Yeah. So before I was the real student mentor, I was just at Brent Shaw. Right. I wasn't I was the I wasn't the fake real student mentor. I was just myself. And I never thought of myself of, oh, I'm gonna get twenty-five thousand Instagram followers one day. I never thought that in a million dreams. The reason why I started my page was really to push myself, it's kind of selfish. It's to push myself out of my comfort zone. I mentored 25 people at my stem cell therapy clinic where I gave them research opportunities, shadowing opportunities. Um, gotten a lot of my students published um, to find the resources they need to achieve their passion for medicine. And that's what I did all before the Real Student Mentor, where I felt like I was making gr great impact. I thought, well, I already managed some people's social media pages. I kind of know what to do. Let's just make my own page. And I had the same insecurities that probably many of you guys face out there. Oh, what if people don't like my content? Oh, what if I make a video and I sound like an idiot? or I sound like a robot. And I, you know, that's how I sounded at first. Please don't go to my old videos, but that's how I sounded at first. I didn't sound this charismatic or enthusiastic or whatever. Um, but for me, creating that page and 
so many of you guys out there probably have this idea, right? It doesn't have to be a social media page. It could be starting a club. It could be starting a foundation. But you're scared of people to think, oh, it's going to think you're stupid for doing it. But the reality is no one cares. If someone doesn't like my post, they're not going to comment, Brent, you're an idiot. They're just going to scroll past. That's the least, that's the worst possible scenario um, that could happen. So my whole theme, and we're going to, it's going to be very evident, is to reach out of your comfort zone because nothing ever great you're ever going to accomplish is going to be you waiting for it. You have to create your own luck. And now a year and a half later, I'm up to 20 some odd thousand followers. To me, that doesn't matter what, what the followers Followers mean nothing. It's all about the impact that I try to create on the page. Um, that's that's what's meaningful to me. Absolutely. I think the biggest part of mentoring that you have to push forward is, is the impact that you have on people's lives. It's meant if you're a mentor, it doesn't matter how many followers you have, it matters if you can impact just one person's life. So, Brent, you actually push for a lot of importance for mentors in your life. When did you yourself realize that you needed a mentor? Uh, well, I, I felt like my whole life, I brought a lot of people under my wing, whether it's my little sister, um, whether it's my classmates, whether it was whatever. And then I kind of realized really my junior year of college, I was like, wait, who's the one mentoring me? Why don't I have anyone in my life pushing me to be better? It was great to have all these mentees, but I really needed a mentor. Um, and it wasn't until I met my now boss, Dr. Darrow, and every time I went in the office, he was in my ear, almost annoying the crap out of me, pushing me to be better, pushing me to be uncomfortable. That's what a mentor is supposed to do. A mentor, is it supposed to be your friend? Yes. He's one of my best friends. Do I want to kick him in the butt sometimes because he's really up, up, up my skin? Yes but that is all part of it. There's no way I would be where I am today if I didn't have Dr. Darrow pushing me five times a week, eight hours a day at that stem cell therapy clinic. There would be absolutely no way. And I think there's so many times as pre-meds where either we're stubborn or we're scared to ask for help and we don't want people to push us because we think we have to do everything ourselves. Guys, nothing ever great is done alone. Bill Gates didn't do alone, anything alone. Elon Musk didn't do anything alone. Everyone needs people to push them and great people to surround yourself with um, to push you to be the best version of yourself. Absolutely. I completely agree. Um, looking back at, honestly, my college life, I really, really wish that I had a mentor in my freshman year, in my sophomore year, and now I'm a junior in college. I wish I have a mentor right now um, that could like, you know, just tell me how classes are going, how it should be going, how MCAT prep should be, should be going, you know, research and everything like that. I've been actually very grateful to have like an upperclassman like Wally. Wally's a senior right now. He actually, we actually became friends in my second semester of uh, college. And he actually gave me some guidance. And those, those guidance have really been very important. And honestly, Wally is a friend, you know, he's, he's just a peer. But how do you go about um, getting a professional mentorship, um, going out of your way to ask a professor or a PhD or, um, you know, a PI to be a mentor to, you know, say that can we meet once a month and you can give me some guidance? How do you how do you go about that? Definitely. I have so many stories that I could just give you an example of because this is basically what I do for a living. But let me tell you the initial story of how I met Dr. Garrow. 
Sure. Um, so like I said, I was a junior in college. I had nothing on my resume. I was a camp counselor. And then finally, after my junior year, I was fed up. I was like, all right, Brent, are you going to be a camp counselor for the rest of your life? Or are you going to actually pursue your dream of being a doctor? So you know what I did? I was interested in stem cell therapy of how these types of therapies were helping athletes avoid surgery and get back to the field more quickly. And I was like, screw it. Over the summer, I'm going to make it my mission to shadow one of these doctors. You know, I have no medical experience. So I filled out a patient application form to Dr. Darrow's office. I thought, hmm, they need patients. This is how they make money. They're, de- they're at least going to see it. Are they going to give me an opportunity? I don't know. So what happened was in six minutes after I sent in that patient application form, Dr. Darrow responded to me with the letter U, the letter R, welcome anytime. And I was like, is this guy even like a real doctor? Like who talks like this, you know? It was crazy, but in a matter of 20 minutes, cause it probably took me 15 minutes to fill out the application form to tell him about myself and then six minutes for him to respond to me, I became a stem cell intern. And did I think he was gonna be my mentor? I don't know, but I got an opportunity to see. And then every single day, I went into Dr. Darrow's office during the summer. I had no idea what the hell research was, clinical. I didn't know the difference between clinical and wet research. I didn't know anything. I didn't know anything about stem cells, really. I just knew I was willing to work hard and I wanted to connect with people. And in a matter of three months, I worked my butt off. Um, I found a need that the office had, which was to track their patient outcomes, how patients are doing it three months, six months, a year after the procedure. Um, The project was so successful, I was promoted to the director of research of a stem cell therapy clinic at the age of 21 years old, coming from three months before only being a camp counselor, then to stem cell intern, then to director of research. You guys have all the tools to do it. The only thing that's holding you back really is that little voice in your head telling you that you're not good enough. And the more quickly you can silence that voice by reaching out of your comfort zone, by just sending an email. I have an email template that lays out step-by-step what you should say, how to get the internships or mentors of your dreams. Click, go to, the, go to my Instagram profile at the Real Student Mentor, link in bio, you'll see it. And it gives you the step-by-step process, but everyone knows what to do. Reach out. The worst thing that these people could ever say is either they're gonna leave you on red and no one likes being left on red, right? Or they just say, no, I'm too busy. And then you can go to the next one and the next one. But I found truly that 80% of the people who you email are going to respond and respond positively. Right. Right. The worst, the worst they can do is really just say no. And Brent, you know, it's kind of funny. Your, your story with Dr. Darrow, it kind of reminds me, I don't know why this came to mind of this scene in one of my favorite movies, the pursuit of happiness, where it's Will Smith, you know, he's trying to become a a stockbroker. And he's given a list of names that he has to contact and he has to, everyone's around him is going down the list from like, you know, just normal people to contact to like the big shots, you know, and he realizes, you know, I don't have time for this. I don't have time to go through this entire list. Let me just go down to the, the biggest of big shots and try my luck with him. And next thing you know, they're going to a football game together, you know, so it's kind of like your story where, you know, now you describe um, Dr. Darrow or people like Dr. Pineset as, you know, good friends of yours. And I think that's, that's just something that's so valuable that people aren't really on the record officially taught the importance of having a mentor because 
really they're the only people that could teach you how to get where they are because they're the only ones that have experienced everything you are experiences and experiencing and everything that you are going to experience. But I think one one roadblock when it comes to students reaching out to these oh so seemingly intimidating professionals who they don't think have time for them is just you know just exactly that mindset that oh they're like they're intimidating you know so i was just wondering what's what what is what drives you to overcome that mindset that oh they're so scary oh this oh that or you know being scared of being t- of going up to talking to them what's what's your mindset that you use to tackle it I like to do an exercise and I want both of you guys to do this with me. Okay. Right. So I want both of you guys to close your eyes. Everyone out there listening, close your eyes. Okay. Imagine yourself in 30 years, you're sitting at your desk as an attending physician, Mm -hmm. man, that white coat looks really freaking good on you. You got, let's say you've got a Porsche in the parking lot. You know, you're a very successful doctor, whatever Porsche is not your thing. You're a very successful doctor, right? And you log into your computer and you get an email from a student. Hmm, this is a really well-written email that connect to everything about your story. And you guys are actually a lot alike. And now all the student is asking is to talk to you on the phone or come in to shadow you. You can open your eyes now. Would okay. you allow that student to shadow you? 100%. Absolutely. Okay. So these doctors who you are intimidated by, did they go through the same things that you're going through right now as a student? Did they become a doctor all of a sudden overnight and be the successful person? Or were they a pre-med? Were they crying into their pillow probably after a bad day? Were they blaring Drake in their car after they failed a, their midterm, right? Thinking that their life was over. These people go through the exact same things you do. So you have to think of it like that. You can't think of these people on a pedestal. And I know you're supposed to respect your elders and I'm all about that, but you can't think that these people are some are somehow different than you or somehow better than you because they're older, because they're not. Everyone goes through the same things. And the sooner you can realize that, that this doctor who I'm intimidated, they were just like me one day. They were just like me at 20 years old, right? They didn't get to where they are overnight. They had to work hard just like what I'm doing right now. And the sooner you can recognize that, the sooner that you're going to kind of lift them off a pedestal and you are going to see, look, we're all the same, whether it's celebrities, athletes, famous people, doctors, whatever, we're all just people and we all want to help each other. Truly. We're all, we're all just human. Uh, I think, I think for me, especially um, growing up in like a, in like a traditional household, you know, we were always told um, uh, respect your elders over and over. And you're absolutely right. I think sometimes we do, just end up putting them on such a high pedestal. And, um, you know, I actually, I saw one of your videos uh, at some point, I think a, a little under a year ago. And I was like, you know, why don't I, why don't I just, just try this? Like what's, what's going to happen? And one of my friends who was a senior at the time, he'd been telling me about how he is a TA for this big shot guy um, who is teaching like bio 380, whatever. Like, I don't even remember really high course code. And how his research is just amazing. So I said, you know, I'm a sophomore right now. I'm probably not taking this class for a while. But why don't I just go in and just attend his lecture? So I went, I attended his lecture. I I read up on some of his research. And after class, I was just, I just went up to him and I said, hi, 
I'm interested in this, this, this about your research. Could you teach me? And what ensued was actually, he actually entertained the thought of it. And I actually had a couple of cups of tea with him. And I was just so amazed that this makes no sense. Like this, this person, this professor has a reputation for just being so hard on their students that it made no sense to me, but you know, I guess it, it works. But so when you were, when you asked for this, right, what, what were you asking for? Were you asking for a research position? I, I literally just said, I, I want to learn. You want to learn who wouldn't want to teach. These people are, these professors are teachers. These doctors are their whole mission in life is to help people. You, when you just ask to learn from people, do things for the right reasons. That's a right reason. That's being genuine. That's not asking for anything. Everything I've ever done in my life has always started from an email asking to learn from someone, not asking to be published, not asking to be director of research, asking to learn so I can better my future self to help more people. Who wouldn't want to help someone like that? So if you are out there thinking that you're reaching out for, you reach out for opportunities and you keep getting denied, ask to learn from someone. Who's this PI going to help? Someone who submits the resume into the resume portal um, asking for a lab position or someone who emails the PI directly asking to learn about the research and how they got to where they are. Who do you think the PI is going to like more? The one who does it the way everyone else does or the one who took the time, researched them and asking for a phone call, not asking for a position, right? And I think, I think that's a, such an important point is doing things for the right reasons, not doing things to get better prepared for medical school or to get an A in a class, but doing things to learn. And I think if you have that mindset, the world is really going to open up to you. Right. I think, I think definitely doing things for the right reason, doing things to learn and just enjoying the process of learning in and of itself is something that's lost on so many of us, especially pre-meds. Cause you know, we're just goal oriented with just, getting into med school. And, and I, I do want to touch on that later. But before that, I also wanted to ask, um, say someone is someone listens to this podcast or listens to your Instagram videos, and they realize, well, well, damn, I need a mentor now. <laughs> um, obviously, you can't just take anyone in front of you and just like, make them your mentor. But what are some specific things, some crucial factors that you think one should look for in a mentor? And even a step further, because so many people indulge in mentorship activities during college, what are some qualities you think that one should hone before they can call themselves a mentor? Very good question. I really like that question. Um, so when you're looking for a mentor, I always like seeing that person's backstory. Do I connect with this person? Do I look up to this person? Do I like their character? And maybe you're not going to know that until you actually talk to them. Um, and that's a really important part. But when the qualifications to be a mentor, anyone could technically be a mentor. But when you are a pre-med out there, it is so important when you are going for people for advice, you don't just go to anyone. You just don't go to studentdoctor.net and just take anyone's answer on the form. It's ridiculous. They have no credibility. So an important thing is one, has this person done it themselves? That's, that's obviously an important, is this person successful? But more importantly than that, if you can believe it, is has this person helped someone else get to their goals as well? Why is that important? Because it's easy for Brent to lead Brent. I live with myself for 25 years, right? I know my weaknesses. I know my strengths. I know what I'm good at, right? If I'm going to mentor Wally, 
I don't know you that much, right? But if I have a track record of leading people who are much different than me that come from different backgrounds and different everything, and I still mentored them towards their goals and got them where they want to be, that's a person who you want to be mentored by. So I think it's so, so important. And it's, a mentorship is, is great, but more of asking for advice and take and who are you going to listen to, right? Because there's so many people on social media out there. And there's so many people in this space who say that they're credible. And even doctors, right? Am I going to ask a doctor how to get into medical school if they're not up to date on the process when they got into medical school 30 years ago? maybe I'll take their advice, but I'd rather have someone who's up to date on admissions, who's helped people in the last year get to medical school, help them with their application, MCAT, interview, whatever. That's super, super important when you're going for advice. Right, right. No, definitely. I think, I think you just laid out a very good metric of how to find yourself, you know, a good source of advice, a good source of guidance, especially in a day where we have so much access to so many things and so many different sources um, of said advice and guidance. And as a pre-med, I've been exposed to a lot of that and so much of that. And one thing that one thing I came to realize perhaps a bit late, but you know, I know now that's what counts, I guess, is that so many of these sources of guidance, be it like online networks or just people or just other pre-meds, you know, they love pushing for this idea that you need to be a box checker, that if you don't do a thousand hours of, of clinical experience, if you don't do exactly 88.5 hours of research, if you don't do this, if you don't do that, you're not getting into med school and that these should be your, your primary, um, um, what is it? These are the things you put most of your effort into, just checking off these right. things on a list. So, so what are your, what are your views on that? What are, I, I mean, <laughs> I know that's a, you can get a lot into that, but. Um, um, to... So let me ask you a question. What's a, what's a school you want to go to medical school to? What's, what's your number one choice? Um, let's say, let's say NYU. NYU, free mm-hmm. tuition, right? So let's say NYU gets 10,000 applicants every single year and they take, they usually take, let's say 150. That's 1.5% of applicants get into that medical school. How many of those 10,000 have done hospital volunteering, have done research, have done shadowing? How many of those 10,000? All of them. So how are you going to stand out and be a part of that elite 1.5%? And that is across the, I don't care if it's a NYU or a non-competitive MD school. It is all around 2%. That's, that's the metric. 2% of people who apply to a certain med school get in. So how are you going to stand out if you're doing what everything, everyone else is doing? Right. And I know everyone says you need research. You need all this. You don't. Dr. Pineset got into Stanford medical school. He had two hours of hospital volunteering and he had a couple hours of research. Why did he get in? Because he was elite at teaching uplifting minority communities by giving them the educational resources they they didn't have. So when we're talking about getting into medical school, it's always about impact. How are you impacting other people, right? What are you passionate about? It doesn't matter because if you are different, that's a good thing. If you're a 40 year old pre-med thinking you want to go to med school, that's a good thing because how many other 40 year olds are going to be in that application pool and have all the life experience that you have? probably not many, 
right? And if you don't know your passion right now, which I guarantee you 99% of you guys listening out there don't, it's fine. I didn't know mine either when I was probably your age, but you have to start thinking about what am I passionate about? Why I mean, do I want to be a doctor? Don't give me this BS answer of I want to help people. You can help people a million different ways in a million other different professions. Why is being a physician your calling and it going to help you pursue your why? Um, and I think there's so many people who go to this box checker mentality. The reason they fall back onto that is because they don't know why they want to be a doctor truly in their heart, why they want to be a doctor. Right. No, I think it all ties back into doing things for the right reason. You know, um, people just think that, you know, they have to sacrifice what they're passionate about, what their hobbies are so that they can fulfill those criteria. But if you're doing things for the right reason, if you're doing things because you're passionate about them, which you'll learn, you know, you'll, you'll find a way to do what you like rather than just checking those boxes. Um, Let me ask you this. If you do what you're like and you're passionate about it, are you going to do it a hundred times harder than just a research lab that you're not really thrilled about going every single day? When you choose your activities, you should not be going to something, oh, to go to the hospital again. Oh, I have to go pipette in a research lab. Why? Because you're box checking. Everything you put your time into, you should be excited about doing. I'm excited to be here with you guys. I w- if I wasn't excited, I wouldn't do it, right? I'm excited about mentoring. I'm excited about stem cell research. I'm excited about all the side businesses I have, right? And that's why we don't, a lot of the times we don't value our time as pre-meds because the reality is there's a million opportunities out there for you. So it's better to find some, wait a little longer and find something that you're passionate about that you actually make real impact in that's going to show medical schools that um, that you're serious about the profession because the worst thing you could do is do 2,000 hours of hospital volunteering and the only thing you have to show for it are the hours. You don't have any stories of impact. You don't have any programs you created. You just logged in hours and that's being a box checker and that's not what getting into med school is all about. Right, right. I think when you're when you're doing something you truly love, it's you just automatically become process oriented rather than, you know, goal oriented. And you, you just appreciate, you know, the hustle because at the end of the day, that's where we're going to spend most of our, our lives doing, you know, just working towards the goal. But speaking about things we're passionate about, um, I've noticed that, you know, you've been the director of your, your stem cell Institute for a couple of years now. And um, that's definitely something that you've shown you're passionate about your research. So I was just wondering what, couple of pieces of advice you have to give to pre-meds who are also passionate about research in that how everyone knows, you know, the standard way to get a research experience, just what that everyone tells you, just email a bunch of professors. But how does, how should a pre-med student truly find a meaningful research experience? You know, what specific qualities in that lab or in their PI should they look for? To, to truly have an experience where they'll learn rather than, as you said, just logging those research hours? So I think that's something is more pointed inwards than outwards is to ask yourself what you're passionate about. Why do I want to do research? Research is not, I'm not playing with stem cells all day, guys. I'm in Excel sheets. I talk to patients, which is why I really love what I do. Um, but research is a monotony. Like it is it is not like, oh, I'm going to find the coronavirus cure right now. Like, no, it takes so much time and so much effort. So if you don't know why you're there and why you want to be researched and um, show your, your academic acumen that way, then don't do it, 
right? So I think it's more of a, a point inward. Then once you find why you want to do research, why you're, you're passionate about the specific aspect of, let's say, oncology, then go find people that match that, right? Go find other works that match that. You can, it doesn't have to be necessarily at your university. It could be at a university nearby, or I have mentor, I'm doing research with mentors, you know, 300 miles north of me at Stanford, right? It doesn't necessarily have to be at your university if you, your university doesn't have anything to offer you. So expand your mind and be creative. And when you're truly passionate about something, you find a, a way to make it work. There was no research department when I got to Dr. Darrow's office. There was nothing. I had to create it all. But I figured, you know, I like this. I like interacting with patients. I like talking to them on the phone to see how they're doing. Why don't I set this up? And there's a need for it. Um, so it's all about looking inward first, because if you don't know why you're doing it, you're not going to make impact in it. And even if you do, when it's time to interview for med schools and to talk about it, if you're not as enthusiastic as me talking about research right now, they're going to know, oh, you just did it because you wanted to get into med school. And sometimes that will work, but it's better to be authentic and to do things for the right reasons. Then once you figure that out, then you can find people who match that enthusiasm and match that passion. Right. And you know, Brent, uh, it's funny actually, because a year ago I was, I was in that position where, you know, I was just doing things because I thought I had to. Um, I had taken the first research position I found on campus and I had spent a whole summer um, doing that research. And I actually messaged you about this. Um, I realized I, there was little room to grow in this lab. You know, there were like 40 research assistants in the lab. I barely got any time actually learning the stuff. And I was pretty much just, just logging in hours, just showing up because I had to, not because there, was, there were things that I had to learn. Um, and you gave me, you told me, you know, you got to get out of that lab because... Was I very blunt or was I nice about it? Very blunt. And I appreciate it. I yep. told you, I was like, oh, just give it a little... No, I told you, <laughs> get the hell out of there. Yep. I probably said something like that because we need people like that to be blunt with us, to snap us out of it. Because we're in this phase where we think we're doing the right things. And we need someone to kind of give us a throw cold water in our face. Like, wake up. You are doing nothing here. It doesn't matter. You know, the fact you have research experience, if you have anything to show for it, no passion to show for it, it really doesn't matter. Um, so I like to be blunt with people and I like to be blunt with you. And I could tell I, it was fine because we talked a little bit beforehand. Um, but like you said, I mean, and then how quickly after that did you find another opportunity that you liked? It did take a while. It, it, took, it took a couple of weeks, but... Um... That's a while? I mean, well, a couple of weeks is a while. <laughs> if, I, if I'm being honest, it took it took a couple of months. It was actually the semester okay. after that. But okay. that just, that's fine. That's why but, I, just got, I was like, yeah, you don't have to sugarcoat <laughs> it. You can t but it. But isn't that worth it, though? Now that you're are you happy at your research position now? So actually, um, I'm doing this research with Saeed. We've been doing it since January and we're now doing our own project. You know, it's something we, we found about planaria. There are these little uh, flatworms that that regenerate once you cut them in half and we're looking at how I know exactly what you're I, know, I know exactly what you're talking about yeah we look at how the um how the components of um of roundup affect their healing process and mm -hmm. the great thing about it is like we're learning so much like we're doing terribly at the project we are doing absolutely awful i, I remember <laughs> um what's it called 
our PI said, it's like, guys, this is an amazing, amazing idea. And then she paused a little bit on paper. Yeah. In the lab. So what happened is like a couple of weeks in, we actually killed our entire batch of planarias. Like they were yeah. gone, decimated. 180, dead. Dead. Gone. <laughs> and that's, that's what we massacre, realized. Huh? Yeah, that's when we that's when we realized it's you know like this is like on our hands now like we get to tweak everything about this lab. I have never wanted to work like I have never wanted to work under a PI. This lab was perfect. It was we are basically running the show. Like that's that I feel like that's what the essence of having research experiences. Exactly. And you would have never found that opportunity if you didn't take the time. And sometimes it does take months. Sometimes it does take weeks. I didn't find my first research opportunity for like 25 years, <laughs> not 25 years, like 20 years, right? It does take time. Good things take time. If we take the first thing that is always offered to us and we don't expand our options and to see what we actually want out of something, then we are going to be miserable. And I can guarantee, I, I know you were miserable before, you know, there's nothing worse than going to an opportunity feeling, ugh, I have to go. When you're donating your time, you're not even getting paid, right? Absolutely. Well, um, Brent, like looking, looking, you know, looking at where you are right now, it does seem like you have some interest in the field of sports medicine, in orthopedics and regenerative medicine. So what has your journey as a researcher, as a stem cells um, research director of exploring these fields through your research? What made you want to change about the field of, let's say, orthopedics? What do you want to introduce to the field of orthopedics in this in this um climate, I guess. Yeah. I mean, I think um, introducing what I do is what we do is we, if you don't know what stem cell, probably none of you guys do. So basically it's cool. So we take stem cells from your bone marrow and it's in the iliac crest, which is in the back of your hip. And we drill into your iliac crest. Um, and then we attach a little um, syringe and we sponge out the bone marrow. We spin it in a centrifuge and then we re-inject it into your sports injury. Maybe you have arthritis, maybe you have a ACL tear. Um, and we do the same thing with blood and that's called PRP, um, platelet-rich plasma. We concentrate this component of your blood called the platelet and it regenerates tissue when it's injected back into you. Um, these treatments are one, minimally invasive compared to total joint replacements or surgery in general. They have zero risk um, and it's a great alternative to surgery and to, let's say, a cortisone injection, which is a painkiller, which does almost more harm than good, the more research that's coming out. Um, so I'd love to expand this. And what's really important is that we expand this to people who can't afford these treatments right now. So our treatments right now run around 2,500, which is the cheapest out there. Most people sell these type of treatments for like $10,000. Um, but the people who need them most are really those from underserved areas right? Who don't, who can't necessarily afford the physical therapy that comes with their total knee replacement or their ACL tear, right? They can't afford to take off a month off work um, because they're in pain from their knee, from their total hip replacement, let's say. If we can provide these people with an alternative that gets them back to work, let's say in a couple days, that's going to be more meaningful right now than let's say a pro athlete needs to get back on the field, which is great, but it's not life or death. It's not about putting food on the table for his family the next day. Um, so I think that's a very great part of medicine. The first rule of medicine is do no harm. So if we can do less harm by introducing these minimally invasive procedures 
getting them uh, covered by insurances, it's just going to make the field a lot, lot better. I got you. Well, you're definitely the, um, highlighting the um, issue that we're finding right now. Like basically these, these amazing research and their clinical expertise and um, applications, how they're being marketed for $10,000, $20,000, and only basically the richest of the rich can afford it. So what problem do you see in the field of medicine that you, your expertise and research would like to tackle as like a future physician? Oh, man, I don't want to get too political. So I'm going to kind of pivot into no worries. Um, talking about what I want to do as a future physician, because Absolutely. I think it's, it is a little bit different. I don't want to get into what it takes to be covered by insurance and politics, get into that. Um, but as a future physician, I don't want to just be a clinician, someone who treats patients five, five, seven times a week or whatever it might be. You know, I want to be involved in education. I want to be involved in business um, and really transforming people's habits. Because if you think about it, and it's the same thing with studying, and that's why I harp on right now, my Instagram is kind of my theme, is we have an obesity problem in this country, right? Like two thirds of, of um, American adults are, are overweight. We can't just say, here, you need to eat more vegetables. When this person has been obese their whole life and grew up with that lifestyle, right? That's not gonna change their habits. We need to form accountability systems, systems that help people transform their habits, right? We can't just give them, uh, we can't just give them, okay, here are some vegetables or someone who's smoking. Every, people who smoke know it's bad for them, but how can we give them plans? They're gonna break those bad habits and especially a physiological one where they really don't have that much control of, how can we help people live healthier lives? And a lot of that has to do with outside of medicine, understanding the habit loop, understanding certain strategies, not tips, not hacks. Like everyone on Instagram says, oh, do this six minute workouts, get six pack abs. Yeah. Okay. You know, it, that, that's how we're, that's how our society is going towards this instant gratification when the reality Anything great, whether it's weight loss, whether it's transforming medicine, takes a lot of work. So how can we take those strategies of losing weight, right, of living a healthier lifestyle and have them more palatable to the public so they can follow them? That's what I really want to focus on as the future physician. And I think by using my different passions for mentorship, for education, for entrepreneurship, I think that that's definitely going to be a major um, direction of why I really want to be a physician, to be honest. Absolutely. You know, I think that's, that's such an important thing, uh, Brent. So many students, they just see getting into med school as the end goal. You know, they just, that's the one thing they have on their mind, but they forget to just think about, you know, what they want to do as doctors, you know, why they want to be doctors and what their goal is from there on out. Because, because that moment when you get into med school, that's, that's, that's just ephemeral. But after that, you got your whole career ahead of you and you got to, you got to really think like what it is you want to stand for as a physician. So that's great that, that, you know, it's so clear in your mind. And I have so many stories of doctors who get to being a physician. And I'm saying this happens all the time. I'm just saying it does happen where they get to being a physician and they, that was the whole goal, right? It's a gruesome journey from pre-med to medical school to residency, especially you go to these very specialized residencies where like neurosurgery residency could be eight years or 10 years if you are going to specialize um, a subspecialty. But then, then what? You get to your goal and then what? 
I've, I've, I've heard a very recent story of a doctor um, who, you know, she finally was a physician and then she was like, oh crap, now what, is this it, right? So if you have no underlying purpose into being a doctor and doing the things you do, then you're gonna get to that point. And that's, you're focusing on the what, what you're going to be when you're older, not the why, why you wanna be a doctor, why you are choosing the ways to, to spend your time. I think that's such an important, all of you guys out there need to ask yourself. Absolutely. I definitely, definitely think that's the biggest point you have basically stressed in our journey to medicine. And what we are honestly trying to do is we are actually trying to bring in people, influential people, med students, already people established into the field, coming in and saying their why. And I want to highlight to our listeners and our audience is that you don't get into med, med student without your why. They will hammer that in interviews. And at, let's say you make it through interviews without basically answering the why question. Those why questions have let me have like become like a fuel to like me pulling an all-nighter, me going for like to trying to get a hundred on my biochem test. It's like, it's that motivation factor. And the quicker we figure out that why, the better we are going to pose ourselves to succeed in this gruesome, gruesome journey to medicine. And exactly. exactly. I just, and there's a difference. Sorry to cut you off. Just no, no, no. I love Absolutely. what you said there because you misused a word. You said motivation to pull an all nighter. Motivate. That's not what motivation is. Motivation is temporary. Motivation right. is, Oh, I see a quote. You felt inspired. Absolutely. You felt Absolutely. inspired to, study all night you felt inspired to put in the work necessary to get 100 in your biochem exam and there's such a crucial difference because inspiration comes from a why and when you're fueled by your why you put up with the gruesome journey that it takes to sometimes achieve your why um, and i think that's such an important distinction between motivation and inspiration inspiration is i like to say inspiration is kind of like you're on full a full tank of gas every time you mm -hmm. go to study and motivation is you're on empty and you just kind of put five dollars into the gas station to get you got home. you got you well i have to say brent i hope our listeners are inspired with this with listening to this podcast they should not be motivated this is these are inspiring words and it's been so great talking to you brent and finally getting some advice from you and i'm so glad you could make some time for us and join us today for anyone looking for some genuine advice and guidance from an experienced mentor who knows what he's talking about, check out Brent's Instagram page at The Real Student Mentor and give his page a good look. If you'd love to hear more from us, please visit our website stonychaipies.wixsite.com/mysite and stay happy and healthy with a cup of chai. Mm -hmm.